A car crash of a performance from Mikel Arteta's Gunners. We were awful from the very first minute. On this episode of the Chronicles of Aguna, we're going to be breaking down Arsenal's performance at Crystal Palace, which ended in a disappointing defeat. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be breaking down Arsenal's poor display at Crystal Palace. It's a result that damages our chances of finishing in the top four this season. doesn't completely kill them, but damages them significantly. You have to say that. It's a night in general that could have repercussions on the rest of our season just because of the fact that we lost Thomas Partey who was awful tonight but has been so important to this Arsenal side in recent months and of course going into the game we were still without Kieran Tierney uh, without Tommy Asu I beg your pardon uh, who has been out for a while we keep hearing that he's close to returning and again he wasn't available again he wasn't part of the squad um, Nicolas Pepe was unavailable due to illness I don't expect or envisage that being a long-term absence. But Kieran Tierney, what on earth has gone on there? Um, picked up a knee injury, apparently, on international duty. How long is he going to be out for? We saw tonight that when Nuno Tavares comes in, it just isn't good enough at this moment in time. So, understandably, people are feeling quite downbeat after that result and after that performance. I, myself, who am normally quite optimistic and quite positive, am feeling really sort of beaten and really down about uh, what we've just witnessed. But I'm sure in the morning it'll all feel a little bit better um, once we get some time to kind of process what we witnessed today. Uh, but this is the post-match reaction show and we are coming to you uh, around about 40 minutes after the first uh, after the full-time whistle so expect some raw reaction um expect some disappointment except expect can't even speak i'm so disappointed uh some kind of um sort of uh i guess criticism um and some concern about where this leaves us moving forward because it is genuine concern so going into the game as i mentioned the injury news wasn't great and it was it was difficult to process and difficult to kind of get your head around because we had no idea uh, that Kieran Tierney wasn't going to be available. Uh, we had no idea that Nicolas Pepe wasn't going to be available. And one of the things we've talked about repeatedly um, on this channel and, and people in general have been speaking about when it comes to Arsenal is, is the lack of depth in this squad going to come back to bite us? It was one of the big things that led to this seismic reaction after the January window slam shut and Arsenal hadn't gone out and done any business in terms of bringing people in. You look at it now and and you kind of feel like it's a real problem. And you look at it now and you feel like perhaps we might have been wrong not to do that business. Now, I know that Arsenal are going through a long-term rebuild and we know that the plan and the ambition is to uh, you know, or, or was and has been to kind of rip this squad out and start again at some point, unless you've got the ability to stockpile talent like a Chelsea or a Manchester City by spending vast amounts of money to bring in new players before you've cleared the way for them, then we were always going to go through this period of being thin. Now, 
Arsenal being in the hunt for the top four and being in the position that we're in, which is still in the best position when you think about it, because we've got the game in hand um, over Ch uh, against Chelsea, which I'm not saying we're going to win, but if we could get a positive result for, gives us an advantage over Tottenham. <laughs> you would say that Arsenal are in the driving seat still, or at least a lot of people outside of Arsenal tonight who aren't feeling as downbeat and as sort of sad as we are. Um, would still say that there'll be a lot of people that still feel that Arsenal are still in prime position to go on and achieve that. But having been in that position, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. Maybe in some cases, people may be looking at it and going, well, now we're definitely going to get in the top four. And I've repeatedly said on this very show, I've said it on numerous shows, on different channels, on different radio stations, on different podcasts, the Arsenal finishing in the top four was no guarantee. It's never been a guarantee. It's always been something that we were going to need to be um, very consistent to achieve between now and the end of the season. And when you look at performances like tonight, which I've repeatedly said we have in us, and you look at the way we just weren't able to compete all over the park, then you can be forgiven for feeling a little bit pessimistic when everybody else was far more optimistic. And, and that's where I am tonight. Look, I didn't envisage Arsenal going to, to Selhurst Park this evening and being on the end of a 3-0 drubbing. I can't say that. Um, but I did think we'd have setbacks again between the, uh, between sort of our last game and the end of the season. And I did always feel that if we were to pick up a couple of injuries at the wrong time, that had the potential to derail us. And we're starting to see um, the impact, or we did see the impact of some of those injuries tonight. But now we're fearful about how that impact will continue over the coming weeks. So, as I say, we went into the game, no idea that Kieran Tierney was going to be unavailable. Uh, we had no idea that Nicolas Pepe was out. We had an inkling that Tommy Asu may not be available, although I must admit, I thought he'd be in the squad at least. But those, in particular, the Tierney injury, it really threw us because we're already playing with one fullback who we'd say isn't first choice. Yeah, he's done okay of late. And I actually thought tonight, we're going to come on to individual performances in a bit, but I actually thought tonight he was one of our better players uh, in Cedric. But he's not hes not as secure as Tommy Astley defensively. He doesn't give you that confidence at the back that gives you that sort of platform to go on and really impose yourselves and play your game uh, sort of further up the pitch. And so to have to contend with that, and Nuno Tavares at left-back, who hasn't played in what feels like an absolute age. It worried me. It concerned me. And I said it on the live watch-along before the game that I was concerned at the fact that we'd have to carry both of our second-choice full-backs tonight. And away at Palace is not the place you want to be doing that. You know, on one side, you've got Wilfred Zaha coming at you 100 miles an hour. On the other side, you've got the likes of Jordan Ayew, who isn't the greatest player in the world, but is very sort of industrious. He's very hard-working. Uh, pops up in, in good spaces, has that ability to drift infield as well and get on the end of things and cause you problems in those areas too. It wasn't ideal, was it? But I think the most disappointing thing for me tonight when looking at the performance overall, it wasn't the players that Mikel Arteta selected. I don't want to pin this on Mikel Arteta because I don't really know what he could have done differently in terms of the personnel that he selected. The tactics, well, we tried to play the same way that we've been playing for months now. And it's been working pretty damn well. So I don't want to sit here and pull apart the way that Mikel Arteta approached the game. There will be nights and there will be games and there will be times where we come away with disappointing results. 
And I think the first port of call will be the manager. You will look at the manager and say, well, I'm not really sure why you did this. I'm not really sure why you did that. I don't think you can say that tonight. I don't think that you can honestly look at Mikel Arteta and the way he set up the team tonight and say that that is the reason that we lost. Sometimes I think as football fans, we are too quick to jump on the manager. I think sometimes as football fans, we're too quick to try and muster up this elaborate reason as to why a game wasn't won and why a game didn't go as planned, when actually a lot of the time it can be as simple as we didn't apply ourselves in the way that we needed to away against a very good, strong, hungry, young side um, in a lot of areas who are developing under a very good, young, strong, upcoming coach in Patrick Vieira in front of a cracking atmosphere at Selhurst Park under the lights on a Monday night. You need to have bollocks to go into a game like this. You need to go there and really show you want it. You need to apply yourself from the off. You need to compete all over the pitch. You need to be physical. You need to be strong. You need to be powerful. You need to be mentally strong. You need to be composed in the right moments. You need to be switched on and concentrated at all times. And Arsenal, unfortunately, were none of those things. We were a shadow of ourselves. And I said to you guys on the preview show, I think, that my concern going into this game, my biggest concern, aside from personnel, aside from tactics, aside from all the other stuff, was how would we be coming back from an international break? Because I always find like it, A, disrupts rhythm. But aside from that, people come back at varying fitness levels. People come back sometimes carrying a knock. People come back having switched off, maybe. People come back having sort of taken on instruction from another coach in their national team set up. It, it just, for me, um, feels like always after an international break, it's a really risky time. And given that we don't have that depth to be able to rotate, um, to be able to contend with having a couple of knocks or an illness or whatever off the back of that international break, I think it really limited Mikel Arteta's options. And I think it put him in a position tonight where it was going to be once we went 2-0 down nigh on impossible for us to turn it around. Des Lynham in the chat, not the Des Lynham, uh, says absolute nonsense. The manager left the squad so weak in January and it's bit him in the ass. Excuses FC. I'll come back to what I said before. Unless you have the ability to be able to um, stockpile players, stockpile talent, then in the process of a rebuild, you are going to have to be thin at some point. That's that's the reality of it. If you can't bring in more players without clearing the doors, um, without clearing the way, then there will be some period of time where you are short in terms of what you want to be when it comes to numbers. And we're in that period now. You can't make signings between January and the end of the season, just like you can't make signings between the summer and January. So whichever window you opt to not do a lot of business in, you have a few months where you're going to have to run that risk of being thin. And overall, overall, I, I'm not going to knock Arsenal's strategy. I'm not going to knock Arsenal's overall plan because if you'd have told me at the start of the season that Arsenal would be still in a lot of people's eyes in pole position to finish in the top four come April, I'd have laughed at you. I thought we were so far gone. I thought we were so far off of that that it was nigh on impossible. And we're in this position now. Um, 
do I make us favourites off the back of tonight's result to go on and finish in the top four? Probably not. Um, and that's why tonight hurts so much uh, because of, of course, the fixtures that Tottenham have, because of the problems that we potentially have. I've talked about injuries going into this game and absences that we had to contend with going into this game. But we also lost Thomas Partey um, in the second half as well. And again, although he was awful tonight, he's been key for Arsenal over the last few months. So I am feeling really down. I am feeling really upset, really frustrated, really disappointed. Um, but it doesn't and it shouldn't deter from the fact that Arsenal are doing a lot of right things as a club right now at this moment in time. And that's the important thing here. It's really easy immediately after a defeat. And that's why we do these reaction podcasts. Uh, but then we um, we bring you sort of a more measured one the next day because I think you can get caught up in the raw emotion of it all. Um, I think you can get caught up in um, in the whole sort of, well, this is the end now and it's all over and it's all doom and gloom and it's frustrating and all of that. That's not how I want to kind of process what I saw tonight. I put it down as a, a bad night, an off night, where we were really poor. We lost the game, as Terence says in the chat, bad day at the office. But the biggest concern for me going forward is not from the fact that we lost tonight. It's the knock-on effect that some of those other things might have, i.e. the injuries picked up tonight and the injuries that we've had to contend with in the build-up to this game. I worry more about that than what this one result does for our chances of finishing in the top four. And um, and all of that, all of those factors combined is, is why we're feeling how we're feeling tonight after this game. Um, look, it's easy to, I'm not going to go back and forth. Like I'm, I'm here to give my view on, um, on what we saw tonight, how we move forward. Um, you know, I'll probably be in a better position to do that, how we move forward part tomorrow when it isn't so raw. But I'm not going to go back and forward about the January transfer window again because we spent a shit ton of money last summer in order to build the core of a squad. Um, we let Ainsley Maitland-Niles go in January, who was never good enough to play in Arsenal's midfield. Um, maybe you could argue could have done a job at left-back, but he'd never have been selected ahead of Nuno Tavares, an actual left-back uh, tonight. So that was neither here nor there. Uh, we let Aubameyang go. Uh, tonight, could you argue that we could have done with a better striker up top? Yeah, of course you could. Um, but again, we were so bad all over the pitch that we could have had uh, Robert Lewandowski up top tonight. And I don't think it would have made an awful lot of difference. We couldn't work the ball into those areas. We couldn't build. Uh, we really struggled to get a foothold in the game at all. Let's talk about then um, sort of some of the big events in the game in sort of chronological order. And I guess... Before we go to the first goal, I just want to talk about the start in general. You could see, couldn't you, from the first couple of minutes that Arsenal were just not at the races. You could see that Arsenal had been caught a little bit cold. You could see that Arsenal had gone out onto that pitch, not really. And I know this sounds like a bit of a cliche, but not really fancying it. Um, the atmosphere was really good at Selhurst Park. Did coming back from the international break take its toll? A lot of players, as Mikel Arteta described, I think, in the press conference a few days ago, may not have played an awful lot of minutes during the international break, but they um, they uh, 
it was a very taxing time for some of those players emotionally for those making their debuts and things like that how do you go from that and then resetting yourself just a few days later well that's what the ultimate professional does and we've still got players who are uh, on that path and are still developing having said that i don't think you can pin tonight just on the, the young players you know look at some of the senior players I keep mentioning Thomas Partey because I thought he was that bad tonight. Um, I thought in the first half, Granit Xhaka was completely anonymous. Um, I thought Lacazette was was poor. Look, we'll run through the team in a minute. But just in general, you could see from the very start that it was going to be a really difficult night for Arsenal. And unfortunately, we never got back on track enough to take the game to Crystal Palace enough uh, to kind of... Um, you know, to give ourselves a chance at taking a result. Sometimes football matches are decided by small margins. Um, I'm not going to sit there and talk about small margins, uh, you know, in, in great detail this evening, because I just think when you perform that badly, it, you can't really make excuses. It is, it, it is what it is. It's exactly what we saw in front of us. Sometimes you don't need stats to tell you what you saw. You just need your eyes. And you could see that Arsenal were just you know, or, or failed to be competitive all over the park tonight. Um, the first goal, really disappointing one for me. We talked a lot after the, um, what game was it? We talked a lot after a recent game about the fact that from set pieces, we'd become a lot more solid and that we'd become a lot more uh, sort of streetwise and that we were dealing with those situations a lot better. Aaron Ramsdale was back in between the sticks tonight as well, which in theory you thought would have helped that. Delivery came in from Conor Gallagher and you just see Joe Jim Anderson spin off of Gabriel as that ball is about to be delivered and sort of make a dart towards the far post. And Gabriel, I think, just gets a little bit distracted, just gets a little bit distracted and he sort of hesitates in his sort of run back. And as a result of that, when he does get up in the air, he can't make the contact that he needs to make in order to clear it from the danger. And so the ball ricochets. Um, unluckily as well, that was unfortunate. Um, off of Joachim Anderson and falls into the path of Mateta. And you think, OK, lapsing concentration. We started the game a little bit shakily, but you've got to be... Um, you got to be street uh, streetwise. You got to be smarter than Arsenal were off the back of a situation like that. Because the last thing you want to do is then go and concede a second um, in the not too distant future. The last thing you want to do is just eight minutes later give Crystal Palace the type of advantage that makes your task near on impossible. And so, although I was disappointed with the nature of the first goal, I thought that maybe. Um, you know, Gabriel switched off. Well, no, Gabriel did switch off. I thought maybe we could have done with providing a bit more cover at that far post. I thought maybe we could have done a better job of dealing with Mateta. The second goal upset me a hell of a lot more because you're not playing well. You need to, um, you know, you need to tighten things up when you recognize and you know it as a player you know it when you go out on that pitch you know when your touch is off you know when your passing's off you know when you're not quite at 100 you need to be able to um sort of recognize that and then try to compensate for that by being maybe a little bit more cautious uh, maybe sort of taking less risks in the interim and trying to weather that storm so that you can regain your composure 
get yourself back playing the football that you want to be playing and then build from there. And instead, we started being a little bit silly. You know, I mean, the way that that second goal came about, it's a pass through the middle that it's not a particularly great pass to IU. Um, Gabriel, again, gets sucked in, steps a little bit too far up the pitch. Nuno Tavares, who's behind Gabriel, can clearly see that Gabriel is attempting to clear that. Well, as a defender, you've got to anticipate that there is a chance he might not make it, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't anticipate it at all. He doesn't track the run of Ayu at all. He's caught on his heels, and Ayu goes through middle of the penalty box. He's never going to miss from there. And it's, you know, I thought the nature of the first goal was bad, and it was. But the second one for me was was really upsetting, really embarrassing, really disappointing. And, and that, for me, kind of summed up Arsenal's performance tonight. Um, the third goal, penalty kick. I don't think you can argue about the award of that penalty. I thought it was a penalty at first glance. I don't know why the referee pulled in. He seemed to take an age to blow his whistle and point to the spot. I thought it was clear. I thought that Zaha did a good job of sort of putting his foot on the ball um, and checking back, knowing and maybe anticipating the contact from Odegaard, which if you don't give him, he doesn't get. Um, maybe Wilfred Zaha, knowing him, uh, throws himself to the ground anyway. But um, you don't give him the contact, then there's nothing to, for you to worry about. And Odegaard just gets sucked in there. Classic case of someone being frustrated. Classic case of someone trying too hard uh, to sort of contribute in an area of the park where, let's be honest, you don't want him anywhere near. Um, and, and that's what happened. And from then on, the game was done. And at that point, you know, what was it? 73, 74 minutes in, you just want the final whistle to go because you know the game's lost and you know you've got very, very little chance uh, of bringing it back. Disappointing night overall. The, the, the goals that we conceded were all cheap. All could have been avoided. And that's what makes it even more frustrating. Um, but I guess a bigger worry for me tonight was that we were just so abject in our attacking play. Apart from a couple of opportunities, one that came maybe more by luck than sort of design. We created nothing, nothing at all. And creativity has been a, a question around, or there's been a question mark around the creativity of this team for quite some time. Uh, it's always been a criticism of Mikel Arteta's Arsenal in comparison to Arsenal sides of yesteryear, Arsenal sides, uh, you know, overseen by Arsene Wenger and even Unai Emery's Arsenal work, but probably more creative overall. But this is what happens when you've got young players whom you're so heavily reliant on. I said at the start of the season that my biggest fear for Arsenal going into this campaign was would Saka and Smith Rowe, and not just those two, but anybody of that sort of kind of young uh, sort of crop, uh, that young group, would any of those guys be able to deliver consistently enough over the course of a season to get us into the positions that we want to be in. And you have to say, overall, they've both had, using the examples of Saka and Smith-Rowe, they've both had good seasons, better seasons in terms of scoring, in terms of assisting, in terms of influencing and impacting games. But is it anywhere near the level of a Mane or a Salah? No. Is it anywhere near the level of some of the, the Chelsea players? No. Is it anywhere near the level of of the Mareses and the Sterlings and and the uh, sort of, you know those players. No, it's not. And so we're still going to fall short in that department because those guys 
And this is not to pick on them or to say that they're the reason we didn't win tonight. But what I'm trying to say is there will be nights where it just doesn't work for them because it's still not at that level where they've mastered being consistent and performing at the same level. A lot of the time that comes with experience. But so many players in this Arsenal side are not at that point yet. And then when you couple that with your senior players not delivering, not being uh, good enough on the night, then you've got one hell of a problem. And we certainly had a problem tonight. I do want to run through the team and the individual performances. We're going to do that in just a second, uh, but just quickly. And it it feels a, a kind of bittersweet sort of talking about this now because, uh, of course, what we've just witnessed. Uh, but this show is brought to you by our good friends over at Football Prizes. Uh, and the prize on offer currently, uh, the Arsenal-related prize, that is, that you can get over and get yourself is a signed and custom-framed Patrick Vieira Arsenal shirt. Uh, the tickets are £3.95. There's a number of uh, instant prizes available as well. Although there are two days left uh, on this one, 109 of the t- 199 tickets have already been sold. So if you want to get involved, uh, get over there quickly. The link is in the description below. Patrick Vieira is not my favourite person tonight, but um, an Arsenal legend, and I'd love to have that on my wall, and I'm sure you guys would too. Uh, so get over there, support our friends over at Football Prizes, and we thank them for their kind sponsorship. Don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. If not for Arsenal's performance, then for me uh, to help the channel. Subscribe if you're new, and we're going to take a short pause before we run through the starting eleven and discuss each of their performances individually. <laughs> Okay, let's do this. Let's run through the team. Aaron Ramsdale um, didn't have an awful lot to do other than pick the ball out of his net, made a couple of stops uh, in the game. But I don't think you can place any of the the sort of problems that Arsenal experienced at his door really tonight. Um, I thought Cedric Suarez at right back had a really good game. Um, Maybe not a really good game, but a good game. I think he was one of the better Arsenal performers tonight. I thought he kept... Wilfred Zaha, relatively quiet, did a good job um, of sort of limiting his sort of influence. Obviously, he won the penalty, but the way he sort of picked up, where he picked the ball up from and carried it forward, I don't think that you can really pin it on Cedric. And it wasn't Cedric who gave away uh, the penalty kick. I think he's one of the few Arsenal players that comes away with a bit of credit. uh, After that one tonight, Uh, moving into the heart of the defence, Ben White was okay. A couple of good moments, a couple of shaky ones at the start, just like everybody. Gabriel, for me, was awful tonight. Awful. Um, And I've talked about it before. I've talked about the fact that Gabriel can be so hot and cold. You know, some weeks he's unplayable. He's so strong. He's so powerful. He dominates um, that area of the park. And on other times, he just looks chaotic. He looks rash. He doesn't look like he knows whether he's coming or going. And I think tonight was one of those nights. We saw some of these performances from Gabriel um, not too long ago. I think in the Liverpool game, um, we saw a bit of that at the start and then it kind of settled down. Um, And and as I say, we've seen it a few times this season. He's always managed to turn it around pretty sharpish in in the subsequent fixtures. He's going to have to turn it around again quickly here because that was really, really poor. Um, his display tonight. Nuno Tavares was awful. Mikel Arteta said that the decision to take him off at half-time was tactical. I don't buy that. I think he was that bloody bad um, and he needed to come off. 
what does that do to the relationship between Tavares and Arteta? Because it's not the first time he's hooked him off early, I wonder. But Mikel Arteta's got to think about the team. He's got to prioritise the team, uh, first and foremost. Moving into midfield, Partey, awful. Absolutely awful. Um, dominated physically um, and also uh, really poor in his passing. Gave the ball away so many times tonight and it was it was horrible to watch. And as I say, yes, he's been great of late. But he can't afford to have stinkers like that or we can't afford for him to have stinkers like that because he is such a key cog in this team. And when he doesn't play well, Arsenal don't play well. And the problem is that there isn't much in terms of alternatives for Mikel Arteta to sort of turn to when he's not having a good game. Obviously pulled up with an injury as well, which didn't look great to me. I'd be shocked if he wasn't out for two, three weeks now, three, four weeks even. Um, which obviously significantly impacts us because it means that Lokonga, who has hardly played, is going to probably come into the side. Will uh, Mikel opt for Xhaka as the sort of lone deep-lying midfielder and then maybe drop Emil Smith-Rowe in there with Odegaard? I don't know. Um, that's up to the manager to decide. Will he think that that's a better option than playing Lekonga? I don't know. But the problem is with people like Lekonga, with people like Tavares, we've been so consistent in our selections over the last sort of few months. These guys, when you're bringing them into the side, you're bringing them in from the cold and you're expecting them to come in and, and just sort of be at the level that everybody else is. It's the, the benefit of having a small you know, squad and having a, a settled 11 is that you do develop that cohesion and, you know, everybody's involved or, or as involved as they can be um, or, or more involved than they will be in a bigger squad. And so you aren't bringing people in off the, out of the cold when you need them. When you don't rotate much and then you ask these players to come in and do a job, it can be uh, a tough ask. And I think we see that uh, with, uh, with Tavares tonight. And I worry that we're going to have that problem with if Lokonga comes back into the side. You're asking a young lad who's still learning his trade, who's still developing, still settling in at Arsenal to come in and take on the role of someone who's been so important for us uh, over the last few months. I think it's it's going to be a, a tall order. Uh, moving uh, forward, I spoke about Xhaka, I spoke about Partey Odegaard. Didn't get going, never got going. Um, every now and again, he has these games where he's just not involved and he looks a little bit anonymous. And I thought that was certainly the case with Martin Odegaard tonight. We couldn't get him on the ball. Why? Because Palace was so much more aggressive. They were so good in the press. They obviously had identified him as someone that they needed to keep off the ball as much as possible. And they did uh, very well to not only cut out the passing lanes to Martin Odegaard, but make sure that when he did get on the ball, they were physical, they were in and amongst him. They doubled up on him at times as well. They did it to Saka too. Vieira would have been well aware of Arsenal's sort of um, sort of willingness or, or wanting at the moment to kind of build down that right-hand side where Odegaard drifts out and supports Saka. And I thought Palace did a good job of nullifying that and making sure we couldn't do it. Uh, on the right, Saka, pretty quiet. Emil Smith-Rowe, the same. Uh, Lacazette, another player who I thought was just so below the level required. It was unbelievable. Um, didn't have it easy. Joachim Anderson and Mark Gay are good centre-backs. But they just seem to be sharper to every ball. They just seem to read every bounce quicker than Alexander Lacazette. And that gave them an advantage uh, in terms of defending they had an advantage anyway because physically the pair of them are quicker, stronger 
uh, than Alexander Lacazette. But then to be quicker in your thought process as well gives you, you know, complete control of that area of the park. He didn't link up with anybody very well. We weren't able to work the ball into him that often. And when we did, he did an awful job of holding it up. It was just a real night to forget for Lacazette. And although he's been important to the team, um, at various points this season. It's just a stark reminder of the fact that we don't have a top-quality striker at Arsenal. Having said that, would Aubameyang have given us those things tonight? No. And I know that's the comparison that people are going to make, but he wouldn't have dropped off deep and got involved in the play. Maybe he offers more of a goal threat. I've never denied that. Um, but we all know that there's more to uh, what actually happened and why he was allowed to leave. So that's my kind of uh, thoughts on on um on the 11 uh, as i say going back to the game itself i i don't really like normally i would sit here and i'd give you guys reasons why i thought tactically um we weren't up to it or reasons that i thought maybe the manager overthought it or things that i think he got wrong actually i don't think he got anything wrong i think he set out a team today that just weren't at the races just were and i don't know if that's because of motivation i don't know if that's because their minds were elsewhere i don't know if it's because the pressure is getting to them is that a factor people are talking about or have been talking about arsenal in recent weeks as if they were a given to finish in the top four which was premature um for sure it's um it's a hard one it's a hard one to try and make sense of i could sit here and i could talk about individual battles but then i'd have to talk about every single individual battle on the pitch because crystal palace came out on top in every single one of them so you know it's it's just one of those nights like it's not anger tonight it's disappointment because the performance was so abject i've said to you guys throughout these performances this team has them in them and to think that we were just going to steamroll to the top four without any more sent uh setbacks was completely um was completely naive let's um let's talk about what this means in the bigger picture in the race for the top four we'll do that in just a second uh, just a quick reminder as well uh for you guys uh, if you want to put your questions in the chat go for it now and we'll pick up some questions for the last sort of 10 minutes or so of the show too but first of all let's focus on kind of what the bigger picture looks like now okay so off the back of that defeat the bigger picture doesn't look as positive as it did say a week ago, but it isn't as bad as some people are making it out to be. If you think about Arsenal's positioning now, of course, Arsenal uh, sit in fifth in the table. In fact, I'm going to bring up the table um, to show you guys uh, on the screen for those of you joining us on YouTube. Don't forget, if you are listening via the audio platforms, uh, leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, leave us a like, you know the drill by now. Uh, but let me just share the Premier League table uh, with you guys for a second so that we can kind of look at this um, and and the damage that's been done. Arsenal, obviously in fifth place, level on points with Tottenham, who really made significant strides with their goal difference yesterday, having beaten Newcastle by five goals to one. Um, but they've played a game more than us. So to be level on points, having played a game less, it's not, not a bad position by any stretch of the imagination. But that game in hand is away at Chelsea and that's not going to be that's not going to be easy you know in fact if I were a betting man I'd be betting on Chelsea to win that all day long but the what I want to the, the point I wanted to get to and the point I want to make is that we only need if we got a draw at Stamford Bridge it's advantage Arsenal again 
right? Because that one point gives us the upper hand. It puts us on 55 if we weren't to play in between. It gives us an additional point to anything that Tottenham can earn. So, yeah, I'd love to go and win at Stamford Bridge. And if we were to do that, that would be huge. But I don't see it. If we go there and defend resolutely and they have an off day, just like they did against Brentford or they're still in the Champions League and maybe their minds uh, are not totally in the in the sort of Premier League race, you, you feel like they're going to cruise to third. You feel like that might have been in danger had Arsenal won tonight, but we didn't. So Chelsea could well be focused on other things by that point. Um, you know, the, the FA Cup, the Champions League, in which case, why can't we go there and get a draw? All we need is a draw, and that gives us that advantage over Tottenham Hotspur. Um, because if you look at the fixtures, they certainly have the upper hand in that sense. They've got a much easier run of fixtures. Kane and Son are firing on all cylinders. Um, they get to play us uh, at home and you know, the North London derby very much is and has been for a number of years now, a match in which the home side normally comes out on top. So they'll be feeling confident about that. I'm not confident about that. You know, they're Spurs and they could self-destruct at any time. And, and that gives you encouragement, obviously. But we've shown that so can we. You know, we did it at Everton against a, a, an Everton side that were down in the, the gallows of the Premier League at the time we played them. People were talking about them being relegated and Rafa Benitez being sacked from then. We went there, put in a shocking performance, got beaten. And now we've gone to Crystal Palace, who obviously aren't in Everton's situation or aren't in the situation Everton were back then. But it was a game that most people fancied us to at least take something from. And we've gone there and hit the self-destruct button, uh, made, uh, made fools of ourselves, and now have given up part of the advantage that we had over Tottenham Hotspur going into this run-in. So... I am concerned about finishing. I was always concerned about whether we'd be able to finish in the top four, but I'm I'm naturally more concerned now. Uh, I did put a poll in the live chat to see or to try and gauge what you guys um, are feeling and thinking uh, about this. I, the, the question I asked in the poll was, is that our hopes for the top four gone? 40% of you say yes. 60% uh, of you still optimistic say no, um, which is a sign of, the fact that you do believe that the team has improved over the course of the season, because I'm, I'm sure if I'd done that poll last season, uh, not many people would have been voting uh, in the kind of no category. So to see so many votes um, in that category, it, it does make you feel like at the very least people have seen the overall picture. And we've got to stop doing this. We've got to stop being so overreactive to kind of one-off games and individual results. Um, is it a blow? Yeah. Were we bad tonight? Yeah. Um, do we have problems now off the back of this that we're going to have to contend with? Yeah, of course. You have to rebuild that confidence going into the weekend's game, but also you're probably going to have to uh, go into the weekend's game without a, um, you know, without a Thomas Partey, without a Kieran Tierney, maybe, maybe without a Nicolas Pepe, maybe without a Tommy Astu. And unfortunately, when your squad is weak and thin, um, you know, a couple of injuries is all it takes to derail you. And that was one of the big reasons I couldn't sit here and say, oh, yep, yeah, you know, after that Wolves victory, for example, Arsenal finishing in the top four. It's never been that clear cut. It never was going to be that clear cut. It is going to go down to the wire. I think it is a shootout now between ourselves and Spurs. I just hope that we can put this right 
get back on track. And and obviously the North London Derby has now been scheduled. Uh, so we know when that is, we've got to do our job in between. We've got, to, we've got to keep taking it one week at a time. I think that's important. In some weeks, it's gone our, in our favour where the teams in and around us, the teams competing, have dropped points. We've picked up points and we've been bloody delighted. And at other times, you know, it will go against you. And this is one of those weekends where it's gone against us. But it's important that we bounce back. OK, get some of your questions in the live chat for the last sort of few minutes of the show. I'm really interested uh, to hear from you guys. Um, we'll do that and then we will wrap up the show. Right over to the chat box we go. Uh, Rohan Shah says that Gabby not starting was wrong. Question mark. Yeah, I mean, I think I picked Emil Smith Rowe on the preview show as well because of the type of game I expected. I, and I also said that I thought that Emil Smith Rowe and and uh, and Kieran Tierney as a pairing was a much better combination. So part of my thinking in going for Smith Rowe was that, um, you know, that, that Tierney would be playing behind him. And obviously that wasn't the case. I think one of the things that Mikel Arteta has alluded to in the past and hinted about... Um, sort of more in the present is that Martinelli defensively, not that he doesn't work hard, not that he doesn't run a lot, just can sometimes get caught out. And I wonder if the fact that Kieran Tierney was unavailable and that Nuno was coming in at left back gave Mikel Arteta the push towards sticking Smith rowing because he feels like from a defensive standpoint, not that he runs more or anything like that, but just positionally that he's maybe a little bit sort of, more savvy in that sense. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, look, I thought when everybody's that bad, it's hard to look at like one player. And when Gabby came on, I mean, he didn't really influence the game an awful lot, did he? He tried to make things happen on a couple of occasions. But as is often the case with Gabriel Martinelli, and again, please don't take this as me being horrible or as me being sort of overreactive. A lot of the time he, he's buzzing around, but nothing's really actually happening. And I think we saw a bit of that in the second half tonight when he was on. Afsar says that playing Xhaka at left-back is wrong. Mate, Xhaka at left-back is still more useful than Nuno Tavares in his current form. That That's the bottom line. And Mikel Arteta would dress it up as a tactical uh, substitution, as he did. I don't see it that way. I just thought that he was so bad he needed to come off. And um, in the absence of another left-back... In the absence of another fullback, like we've seen here, sort of experience, Mikel felt that that was the way to plug the hole. And we were better in the second half, so it wasn't the worst decision in the world. Um, yeah, I, I think too much of that. There's too much being made of that, uh, if I'm honest. Um, what else have we got in the chat box? Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Um, Peanut Butter Jelly Time says, Harry, how many points do you think we need for the top four in the next nine games? Well, I said that I thought we needed to win six. Yeah, I said that I thought we needed to win six of our games um, going into this weekend. And that's another one, another winnable one that we can no longer win. So obviously it does damage. Really difficult to say, mate, because I think as fans, we naturally go to the worst case scenario. What I mean by that is we look at it as if Tottenham and as if United and anybody else in the race are not going to drop any more points between now and the end of the season. And the likelihood of that happening is is 
is not very high. So um, I'm not sure about the whole points thing, but I, I sort of set in my mind a target of six wins, uh, which is obviously with this one out of the way going to be harder to achieve now. Uh, Ivan says, at Harry, do you have faith in Nuno or would you rather play Xhaka at left back if uh, Kieran Tierney can't return? Well, I had faith in Nuno during that period earlier on in the season where he played, I think, three, four games on the bounce and was really good. I remember him being brilliant at Leicester away uh, and, and during a few other games around that period of time. And I thought, yeah, you know, we've got a, a really good understudy now. And then we saw him against Nottingham Forest and he was... I beg your pardon. We saw him perform um, during that little run of games that it was a very good sort of uh, level of performance that we were getting out of him. I went as far as saying, like, in an attacking sense, I thought he was giving us more than Tierney. But you look at him now, you look at the way he played against Nottingham Forest in what would have been one of his last outings. I know, uh, you know, his, his game time's been few and far between. But you look at his performance at Forest and what happened off the back of that, he was awful. And he was he got another chance tonight. He had a chance to put himself in the in the window or in the limelight or in the manager's thoughts because of Kieran Tierney's injury, which we don't know how serious it is at this stage. And he completely spurned that opportunity by being poor, by being sluggish, by not applying himself, by being switched off um in the lead up to that second goal. So no, I don't really have faith in him at this moment in time. And and it's a shame. Um it really, really is. Uh, Omar says staying on the Towerist thing because there's a lot of reaction to his performance tonight, which was obviously not very good. Uh, but Omar says, should we cut our losses on Tavares and sell him in the summer? He's way below the required level. I mean, when you spend seven, eight million pounds on a player, I don't think I think that's kind of um, what you'd what you'd call a low risk transfer. Um, we're not going to get much more than that for him, are we? I mean, look at the way he's playing. Who's going to touch him right now? I'd argue nobody. So, yeah, it's um, it's a hard one, but there's there's something not right there with Nuno. I don't know if what happened between he and Arteta in the past has been a problem that's been ongoing. Has it caused him to lose confidence? I don't know. But he's gone from looking a really confident young lad to someone who's scared of his own shadow lately and who doesn't look invested, and that's a big worry for me. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Wes Bird, how you doing? Says, uh, was really worried about tonight before kickoff because I think having that international break wasn't ideal as we were in a good run. Now I'm concerned how we will respond to this disappointment. I think one of the things you have to give Arsenal praise for this season, no matter how despondent you're feeling tonight, no matter how frustrated you're feeling, no matter how disappointed you are, is that they've done a very good job of bouncing back quicker than previous Arsenal sides. And when you do, when you're able to do that, and defeats don't turn into two defeats and then three defeats and four defeats, then you always have a chance. One-off results will happen. I think that was what our first um, loss away in a couple of months, um, which is, you know, again, a showing of how much we've improved. I think we'd run, won our last five away games on the bounce before tonight, uh, which again shows the marked improvement. But we're not Liverpool, we're not Man City. Even Man City went to Selhurst Park and couldn't get the result they wanted a few uh, weeks ago. So it wasn't an easy place to go. Um, but what's important now is that we can put it behind us and and sort of move forward. Again, I'll say what I said before. The reason I'm 
more disappointed, more worried than I probably would have been just about the result in isolation is the fact that we seem to be losing players now at a really key part in the season. And we all knew that the squad lacked depth. We all know that there are certain backup options available to us who aren't at the level required. And that concerns me and that scares me going into, of course, uh, the remainder of the campaign. Uh, also, uh, don't forget uh, to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Uh, we've only got 62 likes on the board. So join those people uh, by touching the like button, um, please. We're uh, on around about 250 of you in terms of viewers across the multiple platforms live right now. So there's no reason uh, why we can't get there. Um, Sko says uh, Rusty is a kind but also pretty accurate way to appraise Tavares. Yeah, yeah. But everybody that is um i i spoke about it about bringing players in from the cold and how that can be difficult and i've said it about cedric in the past there are some players who if they play regularly they find a bit of a rhythm cedric is one of them but if you're asking them to come in every now and again it's a it's a difficult thing for them uh Tavares seems to be one of those players as well um you know when he came in earlier on in the season he played three four games in which he was brilliant you took him out, you bring him back against Nottingham Forest after a while and he just wasn't the same player. And then he was out again and he's come back in tonight and he's, you know, he doesn't look the same player. It is what it is, man. Um, I am worried about the injuries. I'm worried about, you know, losing, if we do lose Thomas Partey now for a few weeks and we do lose Kieran Tierney for a few weeks, they are two flipping important players. That's the engine room, the base of our midfield, along with the, the vice captain, essentially. They're two really important players. And, um, and and I fear for us now. I really, really do. And it's a shame because, you know, this season, while there's still plenty to play for and while we're still in, in contention of finishing in the top four, although I don't think that the, 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 the goal at the outset this season within the club internally was to finish in the top four, Finishing in the top four, that process we keep talking about, well, it accelerates it in terms of what it means for our status as a club and what it what it means in terms of attracting players and what it means for our financials. So I still think we're building in the right direction. Tonight hasn't changed that for me. I still think that Mikel Arteta is the right manager. But, um, getting, but if we do get in the Champions League now, we're going to have to be pretty much flawless between now and the end of the season because... Tonight was a big opportunity to make things that little bit more comfortable and, and we failed to take that opportunity. Now we're in a tough position. So, yeah, um, I still think we're moving in the right direction. I still think Mikel Arteta is doing a good job. I still think that regardless of sort of what people's opinions might be, I, I don't really pin tonight on him. I don't really know what he could have done differently. I've seen some people moaning about his substitutions, substitutions that were limited. Uh, because he only really had a couple of players that he thought could influence the game if needs be. Um, but yeah, I, as I say, don't want to pin it on the manager. Uh, I thought what I liked about Mikel Arteta's post-match interview was that it was really honest. And at the start of Mikel Arteta's career, I always felt like he made excuses. I always felt like he'd say stuff like, oh, um, 
you know, we created this chance and we created that chance and it was fine margins when actually a lot of the time we'd been shit and we created one chance. And if we didn't take that one chance, we weren't winning the game and we never had a chance of winning the game. And that used to irritate me. So to actually hear him speaking, honestly, um, he said we made it impossible for ourselves. He said we didn't compete. He said we didn't earn the right to play. And when we did, we were sloppy in possession. He called it unacceptable and he apologised to the supporters. And I think as a fan, that's all you can ask for from your manager, an honest assessment. We're not stupid. Football fans are clued up more nowadays than they've ever been. We can see what, what's happening in front of us. We don't need someone to come out. And, and someone's mentioned PR in the chat, but we don't need someone to come out and give us PR. Um, we need someone to tell us exactly what went on on that pitch. And I think when you look at or listen to Mikel Artes' assessment, I think you have to say it is fairly accurate. So, as I say, disappointing night, frustrating night, one that we're going to have to move on from quickly. Um, I'm downbeat more so because of my worries about Partey, Tierney, um, and what that means moving forward. Also, Tommy Asu's a concern as well. So, for me, it's a combination of the result and a combination of those things. I think tomorrow, when I have a bit of time to process it and calm down, I'll probably be just worried. Or, or far more worried about the whole sort of injury and, and squad situation than I will be about the fact that we lost to Crystal Palace tonight. Um, but yeah, it's it's a hard one to process. It really is. Uh, Alex says, uh, hi, Harry. Apologies if you already mentioned it, but how did you feel about the short Lakonga appearance in lieu of having party? Do you think Sambi will step up? I don't think he did an awful lot when he came on. Like, I, I don't think he was bad, but I don't think he was outstanding either. Um, difficult to judge a young lad in a game like that as well when he's coming on in under those circumstances. He wouldn't have had much time to get ready to come on because Partey just pulled up and the substitution had to be made. But yeah, to lose key players at a really key time is uh, is a difficult one to swallow. Um, and I know people will be critical of the manager and I know people will say, well, he left the squad short and I get all of that. But as you saw with Liverpool last season, if you lose even one or two really important players. It can be uh, a big leveller. And uh, and we saw that, didn't we? Okay. Um, I am going to leave it there. Uh, it is coming up to midnight here in the UK. Absolutely shattered. Just want to say big thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, big thank you to everybody who joined our watch along earlier on as well. That was great fun. Aside from the, the result, uh, always good chatting to you guys and always good enjoying a game in you guys' company. So thank you for coming over. Don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow at Chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter. We'll be back. Uh, if you're listening on the audio a little bit later today, if you're watching on YouTube uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow uh, to talk about the remainder of the season, to talk about what the implications of tonight's defeat are in a little bit more detail and have a good old chinwagon discussion. Uh, myself and Mike Stavery will be doing that live on the channel at 12.30pm. Right, I'm off. Catch you all later. Try not to stay awake all night. I'm... Uh, what I do when we lose a game lately is I um I avoid scrolling through Twitter straight after because I start reading stupid comments and then I get sort of lured into these unnecessary arguments. So I haven't done that yet. But what I am going to do is go and make myself a nice hot drink, put my feet up and head over 
to Twitter and see uh, what the wider kind of consensus is uh, on this match. Right, we'll leave it there then. Catch you all very, very soon with more Arsenal and football-related content. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.